0: Well, church, uh, on this uh, Lord's Day, let me make a few announcements just for your uh, attention and understanding. Per our letter you received last Monday, uh, we are going to be merging the North Campus with the Mount Pleasant Campus, so those people will be coming back the next three weeks or so, so greet them and encourage them. They've been dear and faithful in their calling. The second thing is, please understand our missions conferences next weekend, very important time in the life of our church, Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday. Please sign up. Please come. That's why we have these flags out as as a reminder. That's next weekend. Be, be in prayer for that. Thirdly, I uh, want to praise the Lord for our wild game bank. We had 1,400, 1,500 men here. We had a great response to to a very clear gospel presentation, pray for fruit that's real and lasting and rich to be brought forth from last week. And then we're launching a new website this week, it's on right now, so a new website for those of you who do that type of thing. uh, For me, it's like, well, really good, good, you know, but it's just a wonderful ministry and that's already started, eastcooperbaptist.com. Thank you. Like I said, next week is our missions conference, and I frequently read biographies of missionaries because I'm always stirred up when I read them. One man, Henry Martin, went out and to Persia, one of the first missionaries to Persia. He died at the age of 31. William Carey goes out from England in 1794 the father of modern-day missions, and he's in In India until 1834. But what's interesting, as you read the journals or the letters of these men, they'll say something like this. Carrie said this frequently, Oh, for one friend to whom I could unbosom myself. Oh, for one friend. Or they'll say, how I miss worship with the people of God. And they would just say, "I, I, I desperately need it. And as we think about, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I step back and I ask myself, why why do we not have, at times, the same consuming desire that's reflected by Uh, Henry Martin or William Carey, or, or 1 Peter 4, verses 8 and 9. And three things as we get ready to go into the text. Number one, one reason I don't avail myself of the rich blessings of the community of Christ and relationships in the body of Christ is I don't realize my precarious position. You see, if you imagine in your mind, we're walking down a broad, walkway that's 10 yards wide is paved and there is a buffer on each side a a seawall if you will and the sun is shining the birds are singing and it's it's a glorious day and you're walking down there's no life there's no problem we we think we live that way but in reality in reality we're on a tight rope above niagara falls and we have a very poor sense of balance When I read the Bible, I get the sense that the biblical writer says, just be careful. Be careful. I think of some passages, I think of Psalm 141, where where David is writing, and he says this. He says, my eyes are, are toward you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek refuge. Do not leave me defenseless. Keep me from the trap that the ungodly have laid for me from the snares of the evildoers. Keep me from the trap. We're, we're on a high wire above Niagara Falls, and we have a very poor sense of balance. Or the 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood. The devil's a roaring lion. And, and, and Peter says, remember the brotherhood of God. Remember the family of Christ. And in the passage that many, many have memorized, Ephesians 6, Finally be strong in, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God you may take your stand against the the schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic forces over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And then later in the passage, Paul says this. He says, "And, and, and pray for me at all times, church. Pray that I will be alert and with perseverance I'll live my life. I I, I plead for your prayers. He says, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm part of the family of God. So the first reason is that I don't realize I'm on a tightrope. I need the people of God. I need to walk with brothers and sisters. And that's why the psalmist says, this is a really incredible statement In Psalm 141, he says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. He says, you know, I I want people in my life who will do the hard things. But because Niagara Falls. See, David spoke from experience. David at the height, at the Apogee of his giftedness and his power fell into horrible sin that marked his family the rest of his days. Fully forgiven, absolutely, but he knew the consequences. And he said, man, I I wish I had a brother in my life who would have said, man, wake up. He said, but I didn't. I, I didn't. So so I don't realize the the type the second reason we don't have fellowship the way we should is we, we say something like this, if only they knew, if only they knew my past, if only they knew my failure, my shame, my sin, that I deal with. From the past, and, and the, if only they knew my, my, my failures in the present. If, if they knew. And see, let me just say, with every fiber in my body, they do know. Because they live at the same zip code you do. There's not a person in this room who is a sinner emeritus. You get that title when you go to heaven, but until then, we struggle, gloriously so by the power of the Spirit, but we we say to the Apostle Paul, the good things I don't want to do, I sometimes do, everybody, here. So, so the truth is the people around you do know. And that's why when Jesus says in Matthew 11, to me it's a gospel invitation and it's an invitation to daily fellowship with the King of glory, whose name is Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You've got to be weary and heavy laden. You've got to say, I, I, I need it. See, the truth is, people, we do know. And the third reason we don't have fellowship is quite frankly, we don't have friendships and we don't seek it out. We don't turn to people and say, Let a righteous man strike me. Let's be honest, relationships are just messy. Life is messy. In Galatians 6, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, go and restore him with a spirit of gentleness, but watch yourselves. Or you too will be tempted. That's a wonderful verse. It's a verse about community. It's a verse about restoring people with gentleness. But also the downside is Paul reminds you, you too can fall. It's just messy. I think of 1 Timothy 5, the the whole chapter of 1 Timothy 5 deals with relational issues. Chapter 5 verse 2 says, Treat the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in absolute purity. Then it says, this is how you handle and approach a widow who's this age and this age and this station in life. It's just is, is messy. Or 2 Thessalonians. There's some people just kind of living on the dole and calling themselves Christians and saying, well, Christ is coming again. I'm not going to work. I'll just eat your food. And Paul says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's strong. That's messy. Or, or, or I think of Of Ephesians four, Ephesians four, Paul says. Let me remind you: if you were a thief before you came to know Christ, you're no longer a thief in Jesus. You work. He says you labor instead of taking. You labor so you can give to people who are in need. I thought you—you really have to tell people that. Yeah, you really have to tell people that. Or the whole book of Philippians is, is about the glory of Christ, but. In chapter two, Paul says, "If there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship in the Holy Spirit, then make my love complete by being like-minded." And so, where's he going with this? And he says, "Take on the mind of Christ." And then you see the pointed application in chapter four. He says, "Tell these two women to just agree in the Lord. They're not in sin. They're just they're they're just not getting along because life is messy." And relationships are messy. That's the word you hear today in our culture. I, I was this article is, it was in a nationwide newspaper. I have the staff is reading it, we're discussing it. Tomorrow, America's baby bust. basically it says that the birth replacement order is 2.1 children per family to keep a level population. All over Europe, there, there are countries that are 0.9, 0.9. America, for the first time in our history, is below 2.1 in the last few years. We're now at 1.54. We're not replacing our population. I mean, think about Social Security and good grief. You go, oh, my soul. So thank you for some of you that are spiking it, baby. I, th- I think one reason, there are, there are a number of reasons people don't have children. One is, quite honestly, they said, I lived in a dysfunctional, angry home and I don't want to raise my child in such a home. That's one reason. You know, the average age of Americans getting married has jumped five years in the last 40 years. That, that's huge. That's huge, four to five years. And I think one reason is people are saying, you know, I've lived in anger and messiness. I'm not sure I want to jump in that boat. And so they live with each other if they find the perfect one. You're gonna live many lifetimes before you find the perfect one. See? But listen to me. You are made in the image of God. God is Trinitarian. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always been in a loving relationship in the happy land of the Trinity. The Bible says relationships can be glorious, shot through with the wonder of Christ. You were made for relationship. You were made for otherness. See, we don't serve the God of the Greco-Roman world referred to as fate or reason that cannot be defined. We don't serve the God of Aristotle. Aristotle said everything is in flux except the prime mover, the great creator who cannot be defined. We don't serve the gods of Eastern religion who are impersonal or the God of Islam who is Holy, other, and cannot ever be tainted with flesh. Listen, this 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 is fantastic to think about. We serve the eternal God who is Triune and who, in the fullness of time, became a baby with fingers and toes and flesh and lived and embraced and wept and and ate with outcast, immoral, unclean people who 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 freely entered into life and, after he lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins. Just think about that. We serve a God who became man. That blows my mind. When I study other religions, I just go back and go, good grief. We're made for relationship. We're made to be with other people. So I go now to the text and I ask this question, how do I know that I am a good steward. We're talking about stewardship of life. Look in 1 Peter 4, how do I know I am a good steward? Number one, I said last week, the end of all things is near. We live in the messianic age, the the age of this side of the coming of Christ. The end of all things is near, and because of the radical advent of God in the flesh, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled. I know I'm a good steward if I live with an understanding that Christ is God. And I walk before Him. Number two, He says, be clear my own self-control so you can pray. I know I'm a good steward. If I'm a person of worship, a person who, who comes to the Lord. And now we come to this little statement today. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So my my third point is this, is, is I know I'm a good steward if I live in vital community under the Lordship of Christ. Above all, love each other deeply, purposefully, earnestly, because love covers over a multitude of sins and messiness. Offer hospitality without grumbling. He said, what, what does that mean? Well, you read some commentaries, and they say there was no hotel, so they had to house people traveling through. Maybe. Maybe. I, I think the broader picture is this. In your calling, where you live, don't grumble. Be cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful heart is good medicine, the proverb says. You... Don't don't be a grumbling, complaining person, but live as a called out person. This is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is is who I am. Now in Luke Luke six Christ gives Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And it closes just like the Matthew account does with, listen to verse 47, Luke 6, 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who who dug deep, dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke, It could not shake the house because it was well built. Now, when I look at this passage, I kind of look at it, you know, backwards and make an application. So so Christ in summation is saying the foundational principle. He says you've got to dig deep. You've got to know the mind of Christ. You've got to know the word of God. And he says, as, as that happens, as you, verse 48, the good person out of the good stored up in him produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So, so you see, in this whole issue of living cheerfully or, or, or I, I've got to dig down deep, got to, I've got to know the word, I've got to know the mind of Christ, I've got to think, and as I know that, then then out of my good treasure, I'll speak. I'll live. I'll bless. And then he goes on and he unpacks, he says, what will be the ramifications of that? He says, judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. In other words, if, you're, if you dig deep, there's treasures in your heart You won't be a sensuous, uncaring, judging person. You'll be forgiving. And he says one way that works out is that you'll go to your brother and you say, how how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is out out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? See, dig deep, treasure, you live it out. That's who we need to be. And so now, let's go to 1 Peter and look at the the road to Christ-honoring community. The road to Christ-honoring community. Three points. If I'm to have community in my family, in my marriage, in the church, in my community group... I've got to know the gospel. That's how Peter puts together this book. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To attain inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. And then he says this. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Paul says, rejoice, the promise of the ages has come in Christ. They spoke of the grace that is now realized in you. And then he says in verse 12, these are things into which angels long to look. So, so as, as, I, as I look at this book, I said the first point, if, if I am going to really experience community and be a person who speaks grace and lives grace, I've got to know the cross. And there's a statement in the sermon uh, worship guide. And it's by a guy named Tim Keller and he says this, over time all churches, listen, listen. All churches, no matter how sound their theology, tend to lose sight Of the uniqueness of the gospel and fall into practices that conform more to other religions or to irreligion. Their doctrinal instruction loses sight of how each doctrine plays a role in the gospel message, and their moral instruction is not grounded and motivated by the finished work and grace of Christ. Think about that. So we must always be bringing the gospel to bear on people's minds and hearts so that they see it not just as a set of beliefs, but as a power that changes us profoundly and continually. See, the, the, the gospel of Christ and Him crucified is not just an entrance into the kingdom. It is the kingdom. I've got to start with the gospel. I've got to live in the gospel of grace. I've got to let the reality of who Christ is and what he did for me on the cross impact everything that I do. And it's easy, and this is one of my great concerns, it's just easy to get together and say, don't do this and don't do that. But we've got to first say, behold the beauty of Christ, behold the glory of Christ. Unless we get that, we don't get it. And that's why in Galatians 2, Peter and Paul had a 16, out, 16, 16 round, not out, fight. It was the thriller from Manila in the early church. And Peter, Peter was wrong. He had fallen prey to ethnocentric behavior as a Jewish believer. And Paul says this: When I saw they were not acting in line with the gospel, I opposed him to his face. You see, not acting in line with the gospel. The gospel. And then he gives a statement, and, and then he gives kind of a summation statement, the verse that the second verse to ever, ever memorized, Galatians two twenty, which is a encapsulation of the gospel. I have been crucified with Christ. In other words. I needed a sin bearer because I was unable to come to God because of my separation from Him. Jesus did for me what I could never do. Blessed be His name. I've been crucified the Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Point number two, my identification is the reality of Christ and the forgiveness of sins through Christ. To use a word this theologically laden, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ given to me. In the life I now live, by, in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Point number three, I live by faith in the finished work of Jesus. That's what I'm about. And so I, I treat people with dignity. I, I live with a sense of, of calling You see when you forget the Gospel of grace I read, I read this recently, I double checked as I thought, you guess this can't be true in South Africa, there was a crocodile farm on a beautiful, pristine river, and something happened. The gates went down, and the crocodile farm released 15,000 crocodiles into a river. Now I don't know much about reptilian lingo. I'm told though that alligators don't attack people. I'll take your word for that. If I'm swimming in some of very beautiful brackish water and I see an alligator, I get out. Just in case he doesn't know his identification. But we know crocodiles attack people. See, when you forget the gospel of grace and you fall back into trying to do it. It's like you've unleashed 15,000 crocodiles into the pristine river of your life. Martin Luther said this. This is when I return to myself considering only what I am and what I ought to be and what I am bound to do and I lose sight of Christ who is alone my righteousness in life and once he's lost and there's no help left but only despair and destruction a letter was written to luther by a friend who had fallen into sin deep sin and luther wrote him back and says come now and join sinners just like me as we worship christ don't 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 forget the glory and the magnitude and the wonder of Christ again, it's not just a set of beliefs but it's a power that changes us number two on this road to love we live responsibly as stewards who are called out. Listen he says in verse seventeen and if you call on see call on which is You get to call on God the Father because of the mediator Jesus. So if you call on him as Abba Father, as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Next verse. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. I love that. Paul says, let me remind you, let me remind you, church in Asia, or Peter does, church in Asia Minor, you call on Abba Father because of Jesus. You call on the Abba Father who who is Abba Father, not harshly, but will judge us impartially because we're called and we're gifted to live responsibly. There's no sitting back and and doing nothing. There's a keen sense of responsibility. But but you do this knowing, I love this, knowing that, that you were ransomed or redeemed. Not with silver and gold. I mean, something you could accrue and give. You were ransomed, bought back. By the precious blood of Christ. He goes right back to the gospel. He goes right back to behold the glory of Christ. And that's who we have to be. I I live responsibly. You see, I have the incredible privilege of calling on Abba Father through the mediation of Christ. Wow. And, And Abba Father has gifted me and I'm to live responsibly with a keen sense of calling. Not in craving fear, but Lord, don't let me misrepresent. Lord, let me live with intentional purpose. Lord, let me live with... see Because I've been redeemed from my empty way of life not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. A lamb without blemish or effect. And then on the royal road to love, I remember the gospel, I remember my responsibility, and, and then I love. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Love, community, commitment. That's who we're to be. So I'm going to go back to Psalm 141 very quickly. One minute. Psalm 141 says, O Lord, I call upon you. Give ear to my voice. Verse 2, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. So you're a worshiper. If you're to be involved in community, you worship. And then you have a teachable spirit. Listen, listen to this statement. And I should pray this every day. <laughs> Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil to busy myself with wicked deeds, in the company with men who work iniquity. Lord, put a guard over my mouth. Don't let me be in company with wicked people. Don't let me go in the train of wicked people. And and, and then he says this, but may I, I zealously invite and embrace community. Listen, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. You see, not only do I say, yeah, I should be in community, I pursue it. I walk with people. And so the, the, the big, big application in this body, in this church, we have small groups, community groups, man-to-man, women's groups. and Are you involved with people who can speak Christ to you and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. You've got to pursue it. And, and, and don't, don't ever forget, you're on a high wire above Niagara Falls and you have a terrible sense of balance. Don't, don't, don't ever forget that they know your stuff because they do your stuff. We're there. We need each other. How hey, do you know you're a good steward of, of life? You live with the Indian view. You're a worshiper. You're in community. You live to the glory of God. I'm thankful for this church. Let me just say this. I, <clears throat> I didn't know if I was going to have a chance to say this today, but church. We have a Lottie Moon World Christmas Offering every year, and it's, uh, for those of you that aren't Baptists by background, half of the operating budget of our 5,400 missionaries comes from the Lottie Moon World Christmas Offering. This year, uh, our goal is a half million dollars, and to be bluntly honest with you, I thought, you know, I I suggested that goal, but I thought, we'll we'll just throw it out there, and we're Quite honestly, we probably won't hit it. I mean, we're economic downtime, and but, but hey, if, if we get close, praise the Lord, we uh, we surpassed our goal. So I, I I can't tell you how gratifying and thankful I am for your sacrificial giving. Uh, it's just an incredible statement. I think we're five hundred and three thousand dollars, and if you want to give, we'll probably take it. We'll still take it. We'll apply it somewhere on missions. Believe me. Uh, but that that is a that is a glory hallelujah so thanks be to God and uh just thanks be to god if i if I could uh, do something like a gymnast jump or a flip or something I would do that but i i, 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 I can't I never could so that's uh, just the way it is but thank the lord so let 's stand and close in prayer thank the Lord <clears throat> Lord uh thank you for this day uh, that you've given us. Thank you, uh, Lord, for the body of Christ. Thank you for people who will be worshiping at this place today um, who have spoken Christ to me and my wife and my son and my daughter. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the privilege of being in community. Um, And Lord, we thank you. Thank you for... Um, this world missions offering. Blessed be your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray that this money will go to the ends of the earth to take the good news of Christ to people in the teeming cities of our world uh, who've, who've never heard or who've rarely heard. Uh, energize and bless, we pray. Oh God, have mercy upon us, upon our country, and upon this world. And we thank you for the hope of Christ. And we thank you that you are eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.